0: Good evening, this is Justin Ford for From the Frontline. Tonight we are dealing with where the battle rages. In the studio with me is Dr. Peter Hammond, the founder of Frontline Fellowship, who has been involved in serving persecuted Christians for over 40 years in 38 countries. Over the last two months, I have been conducting an in-depth conversation with Dr. Hammond about all aspects of evangelism, what it is, how to do it, how technology impacts on it, with a special focus on the classic form of evangelism, which is open-air preaching. In fact, today we are continuing the discussion on open-air preaching, where we left off at the end of episode 234 of From the Front Line. There are two main types of preaching, topical and expository preaching. Dr. Hammond, can you explain each type and tell us which is the most useful for open-air preaching, preaching that is aimed at evangelizing and convicting the public? Would it be topical preaching? Generally speaking,
1: topical preaching is is better because you only have the people for Sometimes a few seconds, you can only get out maybe a few slogans or paragraphs, as some people walk within your sound of your voice, depending on whether you're able to use some form of amplification or PA system or how powerful your voice is or how bad the background noise is. So that depends. Are you in a park? Are you in some thoroughfare in a busy street So uh, all of that will play into it. But generally speaking, topical sermons are ideal because when it comes to expository preaching, you normally need time to develop the text in the background. I mean, that's perfect for Sunday morning uh, teaching, training, and, of course, for, for midweek Bible studies. But uh, generally speaking, on the street, topicals ideal, but that still has to start from from Scripture. I mean, in a preaching, there are three basic requirements. You've got to have something worthwhile, important, and relevant to say. You've got to explain and illustrate what you're saying. You've got to know how to start and how and when to finish. Now, you can get your messages directly from the Word of God, from the Bible, as truths you know that are appropriate for any occasion, as Lessons, you know, the audience needs to know. Maybe it's a topical subject people are concerned about in society right now. Like, what if there's World War? What if we have a nuclear holocaust? And, you know, well, where would you be? And so, as so important people are concerned about the price of fuel. Well, have you considered about the price of uh, the wage of sin, which is death? And uh, the cost of living? Well, you know, the cost of dying is actually pretty serious too. Uh, systematic Bible study on topics and books and people and miracles and parables and doctrines are ideal for church services and home Bible studies. But for all of this, whether we're doing topical on the streets or expository in a Bible study or church service situation, we need a vibrant relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. We need to have our minds renewed by the Holy Spirit, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of the Word. So basically, it's having a vital understanding of of these vital truths and having a genuine knowledge of our listeners' needs. I mean, our people... There are many people out there who are hurting or who are afraid or who are um, in crisis at different points. And so to be able to speak to people's perceived needs, all preaching must be clear and it must be relevant and it must be scriptural, of course. So, you know, you've got to choose your subject and your theme, but basically for open-air preaching, it's not like you can use notes. I mean, often it's very con- uh, extemporaneous and you've got to speak off the cuff to a large extent, especially uh Depending on the response you get, you've got to be able to sometimes surf that wave and go with the thing. The important thing is that you think over what you want to communicate. Is this relevant? Is this appropriate? Is this important? Have I got my facts correct? Are my principles sound? Is my argument logical and uh, clear? Um, And uh, can I, in each sentence, are they clear and complete and concise? Because this isn't a time for some long developed philosophical thread because some people are going to be taking uh, 15 strides in front of you before they're out of your uh, uh, range of your voice. So you've got to be able to, God now commands all men everywhere to repent. It is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. If you were to die today, do you know for sure whether you'd be in heaven or hell? If God was to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you answer? So you've got to be giving very clear, short, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's got to be short, sharp, powerful, Phrases which are scriptural, key questions which are going to galvanise people to action, and of course for this a topical sermon is ideal. So you might decide to start on heaven, or on hell, or on judgment, or life, or death, um, and uh, salvation, forgiveness, uh, atonement, adoption. So there's many themes you might want to just take a theme and run with it. Some people will be standing in the background listening to what you're saying for quite a while. Uh, I've been open air preaching where some people stand there for the whole half an hour, an hour that you might be out there and listening to everything. And other people are just hearing a few sentences. But you can you've got to be able to be giving something of value, even if this is just a crumb or should we say, even an arrow, that's hitting a person as they're walking past. And they they're hearing this this key uh, part of the message. That it is impossible for the natural man to please God. You know, it is impossible to please God uh, through our works. Only through our faith, and so on. And you, you want to uh, bring over the key principles, the battle cries, of the Reformation. So, yes, certainly there is a gospel core charisma to preaching. And if you look in the Book of Acts, you can see these key principles that are coming out in every message in the Book of Acts. So, if you if you go into the Book of Acts, you will see that people are preaching. A gift. Uh, They're preaching uh, the clear message that Christ has come into this world and that he himself is challenging us. So, uh, in your messages, you've got to be sure am I being scriptural? Am I being suitable? Am I being serious? Is the message simple? It should be stirring. It should be specific. So, all the messages you hear. In the New Testament, especially in in the book of Acts, they preached a person. They preached Christ. It was a Christ-centered message emphasizing his death and his glorious resurrection. And they proclaimed a gift, the gift of forgiveness and of the Holy Spirit and of adoption of the family of God and of reconciliation with God. They preached a gift and they looked for a response. They expected repentance and faith in Christ and baptism. You know, God now commands all men everywhere to Repent, repent and believe the gospel. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And they preach the incarnation. God has come amongst us. God has, uh, is with us. Uh, Emmanuel, God with us. Historic, unique event. They deal with the forgiveness of sins. They strike at the heart the problems. I'm not just a victim needing deliverance. I'm a guilty sinner needing forgiveness, first and foremost. They dealt with the cross. God has acted in and through the cross Christ crucified. He is our atonement, a guilt-bearer, the propitiation for our sins. And they proclaim the resurrection. Jesus Christ is alive today. He is the resurrection life. He has risen from the dead, victorious over death, hell, Satan in the grave. He has ascended into heaven. He's coming again to judge the living and dead. So these sort of messages should be proclaimed, just like you saw at, after the death of the queen and the proclamation New the king. These officials went out into cities. They blew the trumpets. And they made the proclamation loudly that all could hear it. It's, it's part of history through long before there was any electronic media. The man going into the public square, the town crier, or the uh, person who gave a proclamation, you know, there's a new king, you yeah? know, and they announce us. and here we proclaim the king of kings. So all evangelists must preach Christ, the person and the character of Christ as God incarnate, the teachings of Jesus Christ. On God, life, the kingdom, and eternal destiny. The death of Jesus Christ as the atonement for our sin, the resurrection of Christ. He is our living Lord, and He's coming again. So, these are some of the kerygma, the core gospel truths that need to be woven in, whether we are responding to a topical issue from today's headlines or uh, to felt needs that we know people on the streets always have.
0: You mentioned that uh, the preacher should attempt to convey a short, potent message, sort of verbal arrows or crumbs. So would it be safe to say that a simple message constantly repeated and illustrated with Bible quotes and real-life illustrations and personal anecdotes is the best strategy for open-air preaching?
1: I would say so, yes. I mean, the gospel has got to be simple, it's got to be clear, it's got to be bold, uh, scriptural. um, And so when we proclaim these gospel truths uh, with confidence and relevance, it's going to uh, really get people's attention and yes if a person stands around for a while they'll get more but if a person just walking past and they've they're in a rush and they might even be interested but they've got a point and they've got a dash off there they should still get enough of the scriptures to get them thinking about eternity and about God and Christ and where I stand with him.
0: So we so it's, we're attempting to convey a verbal meme so to speak.
1: Uh, Yes, bear in mind that, I mean, this is that you've got to be very quick on your feet because there are people who are just coming past. And, uh, you know, like when we were in Wittenberg and uh, preaching open air in front of the statue of Martin Luther and challenging people as they're walking from one side of the square to the other, and, you know, you could address questions. Uh, You, madam, can I ask you, if you were tonight today, are you sure that you'd go to heaven? When you die, what do you think is on the other side? Where will you spend eternity? Sometimes just asking a, a bold question can help, but um, sometimes that's all you can do as a person strides across to get one or two questions to get people to think about this as they walk along. You might get them to arrest their attention and they stop dead in their tracks and they stand and start listening or, in some cases, start throwing questions back to you. And then it's like a tennis match and you've got to be able to respond well.
0: Um, should the preacher always begin by pointing out a contemporary uh, topic or problem in politics or society, and then explaining that the problem is a symptom of a community or a nation under judgment.
1: I think that's a very good way to pro- approach it. Um, most times, we should start with the problem, and get the solution. I don't think it's very helpful to stand up and start saying Jesus is the answer. Um, that's well. What's the question? You start with the problem. You start with the question. It's like. Who's going to bother to go to the doctor unless they know that they're sick? Um, I don't go to the doctor uh, by my own free will. It's, <laughs> I've got to be forced to. It's got to be pretty serious, especially these days. We're not sure which doctors to believe after this pandemic, lockdown, lunacy, mass grade, madness, uh, salvation by vaccination, COVID cult. I mean, that was something bizarre, and a lot of medical people have lost their credibility. And, and now we know that uh, there's been – like Pfizer has literally – um, enlisted the help of Marvel Comics to bring out comic that's designed to promote Bill Gates' message of uh, the jab inoculations. Absolutely vile, and you know here you're talking about millions of dollars advertising campaign using Marvel Comics, which people think of for entertainment. Meanwhile, it's for brainwashing. So you've you've got contemporary issues. And well, anyway, the key point here is doctors. Um, The doctor's got to convince you that you're sick before you're going to be interested in operation or the procedure or the medicine. And uh, uh, so it should be when it comes to the evangelist until people understand that they need God, that they need forgiveness, that they need salvation, that uh, they need redemption, uh, or that um, you've got two problems. You've got people who think that they're good, very good people. I'm a very good person, you hear over and over. Um, uh, until I understand that the hell-deserving sinners who have to stand before a holy God on the day of judgment. And most people don't see the need for forgiveness or turn. They think, well, I don't need to be forgiven. I'm a good person. I'm not as bad as that person over there. And so uh, you've got to give people, in those cases, you've got, you, that's why you need the law of God to break the hard heart. And then we need the gospel of Christ, to heal the broken heart. And so there are those people who see no problem. And there are other people who who see no hope, who are like, well, God could never forgive me. My sin's just too terrible. I'm beyond God's grace. And you do get those people too. You get those people who absolutely condemn, they see no hope, and they need a message of hope. And others who see no problem, and they need a message of judgment, actually. So it's the law to the proud, grace to the humble. God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. And so we must preach the law of God to the proud and we must preach the grace of God to those who are no longer justifying themselves but are asking, what must I do to be saved? Maybe they're not asking verbally, out aloud, uh, but you can see they're no longer trying to judge, them, defend themselves. They're now feeling condemned. So it's law to, the, to break the proud heart and grace to heal the broken heart. Law to the proud, grace to the humble because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble.
0: Is um, open-air preaching a suitable occasion for prayer?
1: Yes, it can be, but it w- it could be interrupted. I mean, it's got to be short and sharp. You can't have these long prayers that are maybe suitable in an all-night prayer meeting or in an average congregation, and uh, because the average person there is probably unregenerate and doesn't even understand the concept of prayer. So it's got to be, again, pretty short, very targeted types of prayer in public. And there, there is a place for right at the beginning. Lord God, may you be merciful and gracious to grant repentance and redemption to many of the hearers. Now, Lord, may you regenerate hearts. Lord, may you open hearts and minds. May you put your Holy Spirit in people's minds that they may un- hear and understand your word. Lord God, grant the grace for many here to repent of their sins and turn to you and trust in you. So, some very short, sharp prayers are, are quite um, appropriate. But uh, nothing convoluted and dragged out, that's
0: for sure. During an open-air preaching session, what actions should the audience be encouraged to do in order to reform their lives? Do lots of introspection or make immediate changes in their lives or begin going to church or begin reading one of the Gospels?
1: Yes, I mean, all those are very, very good ideas. Uh, so, yes, um, I think that to encourage people, do you have a Bible in your home? If not... Come to me afterwards. I've got Bibles here to give you. uh, Or, you know, please take one of these gospel booklets right here. You might have a table, for example, someplace. You might have them in your hand that you're offering while you're speaking. Offering people literature. If you do not have a Bible at your home... um, Come to me, I will provide you with a Bible, and so on, or a New Testament to get started with. Um, I would generally recommend we hand out tracts to people who aren't specifically interested. Gospel booklets even um, can be appropriate. But I would not give out New Testaments or Bibles until a person has made some kind of commitment. If they've read the Gospel, uh, maybe you're handing out Gospels of John or Gospels of Mark and you're getting people interested, and uh, they come back for more, that's the time. But I would would not be handing out Bibles in general. So uh, what do we want them to do? Go home, open your Bible, start to read. Maybe you can challenge them. Read the Gospel of Mark or read the Gospel of John. Read the Gospel of Luke. Encourage them to get started in, in the Word of God. And then uh, get on your knees by your bed and pray. Seek God's face. Uh, it's good to challenge people to pray, uh, to evaluate themselves in light of the Ten Commandments, to um, seek the Lord uh, for forgiveness and mercy, uh, or to go through the Ten Commandments and examine their hearts how they've broken the Ten Commands. Again, the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. We want to challenge people to seek God, to get into his word, to uh, find a Bible-believing church where they love the Lord and preach the gospel. We want to encourage people to, to actually reach out to God in prayer, uh, to repent of their sins, to trust in Christ. So to call for action, yes, that that's always super important. And uh, if you've got a meeting that's coming up somewhere soon or if you're reaching out and you've got a church or community in that area who's, who they can turn to, of course, that, that does help. Uh, but most open-air preachers are not specifically seeking to recruit people to their church, but to get people to seek the Lord in general. So um, sadly, there are a lot of churches where the gospel is not preached, um, where there's a lot of compromise or where there's a lot of worldliness. So it's a little dangerous in some ways because you don't want the person to wander off and join some liberal cult where they don't even uh, believe that uh, there's a man and a woman, that marriage is between, two, uh, between a man and a woman, or that um, uh, life begins at conception, or that abortion is murder, or that creation is real, or that heaven and hell is real. Uh, there's there's a bizarre amount of lack of faith. Many pulpits are filled with backsliders or apostates, sadly to say. So we've got to say where the Bible is preached, where, um, where Jesus is loved, where the people are seeking uh, to uh, fear God and follow him. So, Uh, You've got to give a little bit of direction if people are interested in going to church because they could join up with somewhere they might end up uh, going down the wrong path. So, yes, we must preach for an action. And, of course, all the gospel preachers that we see uh, in in the book of Acts, they preached for a verdict. They wanted action. And so it's super important that uh, we aim at results. Um, uh, We want to inspire, involve, and inform people. We want to educate them and enlist them. We want to motivate them and mobilize them. We want our listeners to repent of their sins, to trust in Christ, to obey God's law and the Scripture, uh, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness.
0: Um, you mentioned that it's dangerous um, pointing people to any old churches. They might end up at a liberal church. Um, so, I mean, would that raises the question? Would it be ethical to preach in the vicinity of a, such a church, uh, actually condemning such a church? Was that too aggressive?
1: Well, um, it can be done. uh, For example, I mean, just think if you were down in uh, Green Market Square during the COVID cult lockdown lunacy uh, 2020, uh, the um, apostate who was running the local Methodist church downtown off Green Market Square and filled this massive yellow uh, banner, I mean, rolling down from the the tower, uh, which said, the blood of Jesus cannot cure you from COVID. Only a vaccine can. Blood of Jesus cannot save you from COVID-19. Only a vaccine can. Get vaccinated now. And uh, now that's pretty apostate sign to put up there. And I've never noticed that church putting something like, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Or well, there's no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. They haven't put up something like even John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So they didn't put that up. Now it would have been more honest if they put up there. COVID 19 cannot save your soul from eternal hell. Only the blood of Jesus can. Repent now. You know, that would have been countercultural. Biblical, relevant, helpful. But to just repeat the COVID cult lies uh, that the vaccine could save you. At first they were saying, I promise you, if you get this vaccination, you will not get COVID-19. Well, of course, almost everyone who got the vaccine did get COVID, uh, sometimes multiple times. Even the double, treble boosted, uh, Justin Trudeau of Canada got COVID after all of his, uh, even Ramaphosa, even uh, Johnson, uh, uh, Boris Johnson and Prime Minister of England, even Joe Biden got COVID after all of it. So so much for this, I promise you, I guarantee you, if you get this vaccination, you will not get COVID. Not only could they get it, they could share it. In fact, the evidence is coming out and more reports all the time from medical specialists that uh um, The masks didn't help one bit. The lockdowns didn't help one bit. Uh, You can't see any significant improvement for countries that went on lockdowns or enforced masks or vaccinations over those who didn't like Sweden. And so it seems that, you know, Britain borrowed a trillion uh, pounds uh, for uh, destroying the economy uh, for a seasonal flu, which you could never counteract because it was made in a laboratory made 10,000 times more contagious by spike proteins. Everyone is going to get it. It was made in a laboratory. And it was designed like biological warfare to contract everyone to so hyper-contagious no one was going to avoid getting it. And uh, the key thing is build up your immune system. Wearing a mask broke down your immune system. Locking people down, keeping them from exercise, that broke down people's immune system. So um, in this situation, yes, you you could really see – the imbecility of the whole situation, and yet you had some churches, most churches, spent more time and energy into enforcing uh, hand sanitizing at the doors than they ever emphasized sanctification of your heart. They did far more to preach the gospel of COVID than they did of the gospel of Christ. They did more about social distancing in the church, more reminding that, than about Keeping yourself from the world, not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the word of God. They did far more to promote salvation by vaccination than they ever did by salvation by the blood of Christ alone, by the tones on the cross. So imagine if the church could have the same enthusiasm and energy and put as much time and money and effort and printing into the gospel of Christ and the Great Commission as they put into the COVID cult during this lockdown lunacy. Now that's quite a comparison. And so when you look at that, you can see. The average church and pastor failed this test. This is a great time to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the running of the word. And many just failed the test. And I hope, as a result, they will not trust the government or the mainstream media or even so-called medical professionals who prostituted their professions in order to advance a globalist new world agenda, which is very much like the communist agenda, of conforming everyone, shutting everyone down, muzzling everyone, and having a chance to purge companies and military of people who have principles, said, no, on matter of conscience, I'm not going to get this vaccination. Or, no, I don't want to wear this mask. And, and so they were able to uh, get, in the name of a virus, get medical tyranny, globalist New World Order agenda, where they were fulfilling Soviet goals, which is the government decides who can work, when they can work, how they can work, uh, where they can travel, and show me your papers.
0: It sounds like... Um Outside Houses of Parliament might be a good place to do some outdoor preaching.
1: And that's why we've done that frequently. Uh, with banners and posters too, uh, one time uh, we were having the, um, the inauguration of the President Tauben in 1999. We had a big banner uh, with Deuteronomy verse that this day uh, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, uh, that you should choose life and not death, so your children may live. Choose life that you and your children may live. And uh, we know Taubo and Becky saw it as we were outside the gates of Pond, as his vehicle drove through during the opening of Pond, because within minutes of him driving through the gate, riot police came out in full battle gear, confiscated our scripture banner, and burned it. Literally burned it. I mean, what's so bad about choose life so that you and your children may live? But uh, So we made T-shirts for that message, and we spread that verse all over, because this is the kind of response. So um, I must say, um, opposition is not bad. Opposition shows... Your message hits a target. Apathy is a problem, but um, opposition, we shouldn't be too discouraged. A lot of people were opponents first, like just take Saul of Tarsus, who later became the apostle Paul missionary. So let's not be too discouraged by people who are in opposition, because sometimes some of those opponents really are being convicted and they might come to the Lord at a good time afterwards. So we've certainly seen that. We've seen people who started off attacking us on the streets
0: and who later ended up joining us. Yeah, that means they are engaged in one way or another. Yes. In the first episode of the series, episode 230, you said hecklers are an an open-air preacher's best friend because any hint of debate or controversy attracts a larger crowd. Does this imply that the open-air preacher can shift topics at will to accommodate the crowd and hecklers, or does he always need to bring the discussion back to his initial theme?
1: Well, he can be a person who just decides to stay with his his message, but I think it's wise if you get the confidence and if you're well enough prepared to go with the flow just like... um, Eagle might uh, soar in whatever thermals and and wind currents there are as they they, uh, reach high and higher. And as a surfer, not that I've ever surfed, but as a surfer uh, may choose that wave that's coming in to take their, their board further so we can surf interest. And I've certainly tried to surf topics that you can see going whether it's in social media or in the mainstream media. And an air preaching. If the people are all discussing Ukraine, or if they're all discussing COVID, or they're all discussing a nuclear war, World War Three, and so on. Well, that, if that's where people are thinking right now. Start there, and and take it further, and, and bring it to considering eternity. So, I I think it's it's very good if you can be versatile enough and well enough read, well enough informed that you can go with it. Because I can imagine if you don't know much about it, then don't pick up that theme. Uh, you know, a man's got nose limitation. So, for example, there's a few things I can say when it comes to science, but I'm not a scientist. Uh, so while I can point out a few basic things, I'm going to leave the serious discussion of science to the uh, Dr. Philip Stott of this world and so on. Uh, but, um, I mean, there's some things I can say, uh, such as, you know, Evolution is science fiction for grown-ups. From goo to the zoo to you, from mud to monkeys to man, a whole lot of nothing and a whole lot of time made everything. You know, how much sense does that make? And how do you get um, intelligent design out of random chaos and order? It makes about as much sense as throwing a bomb into a printing press and expecting a um, 747 jumbo jet to come out fully tanked with pilots, fuel, and a runway. And uh, In fact, our DNA is far more complicated. So there's a few things that we can throw out, uh, even if we're not particularly scientists. But um, I'm not going to run down uh, too many rabbit trails for something that's not my field. My field's the Bible and history. And uh, there's some areas that I've got more confidence in, like uh, wildlife, animals, and so on. And uh, so I'll gladly uh, run down some of those uh, trails if they come. But I'm not going to try and get into something that's beyond you know, quantum physics or something as uh, somebody else's topic.
0: Although we touched on security and open air preaching in episode 230, I would like to raise the topic again by way of a quote from Ray Comfort. He said, quote, be prepared for the spirit of fear, the spirit of fear. If you're going to open air preach, you're going to write into Satan's territory and you're going to have spiritual warfare like you've never had before. It's not the open-air preaching that's hard. It's before the open-air preaching. Mm-hmm. You'll get it every time. You'll get feel the spirit of fear come against you, and you'll feel discouragement. You're going, to, you're going against supernatural fear, end quote. Ray Comfort raises the topic of spiritual warfare and implies that the main weapon used by Satan is fear and discouragement. Would you agree that fear and discouragement are the main threats, or must preachers and evangelists take steps to secure their physical safety as well when preaching outdoors? For instance, mm-hmm. uh, body cams as used uh, effectively by the Bristol Four, whom we discussed in episode 230 as well, uh, would that be recommended or is it was that an extreme precaution, only necessary in extremely hostile environments like the United Kingdom?
1: Well, it certainly needed more in places like the UK and US uh, that you have body cams on you. But if any of our people can afford to and, and have uh, such technology available, it's very useful because, for example, the... Uh, Bristol four which include our good friend Adrian Clark um they were uh, the case was dismissed and charge were with withdrawn when the judge saw the video of it and could see <laughs> in fact the preachers weren't the ones being abusive or disruptive at all it was some of the audience who tried to accuse them and it's in fact uh, the police uh, were guilty of unlawful arrest so uh let's face it uh, it's very much easier to prove your case if you do have Film footage, whether you've got it on you in a body cam or if someone else is videoing you while you're active uh, in this, um, it is helpful in these sort of situations to go beyond the he said that you said that, you know, and show some objective evidence. So, a body cam or having someone there to film, like the way the master teams Ray Comfort directly do, can be very, very helpful. Um, we should expect opposition. But remember, it's a privilege to suffer for Christ, and we shouldn't be afraid of confrontation or rejection, because if that's the price to reach a lot of people, well, so be it. And uh, uh, St. Boniface, who is a great missionary of the 8th century, is a Celtic preacher. He's one of the greatest street preachers of all time, and uh, what he had to say is very relevant. Let us stand fast in what is right, and prepare ourselves for trial. Let us neither be dogs that do not bark, nor silent onlookers, nor paid servants who run away before the wolf. Instead, where the battle rages, let us find ourselves. Run towards the roar of the lion. Run towards the roar of battle. That is where Christ's most glorious victory shall be won. And of course, that inspired the title of of tonight's program, that uh, uh, we need to, you know, where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldiers proved as a. As the reformer Martin Luther said, uh, it's so important that we are not those who just are uh, defending those points that have already been accepted. No, it's where the battle rages. There the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefront besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. And so whatever the key issues of today, day, whether it's justification by faith as in the days of Martin Luther, uh, whether it is the uh, key principles of what is the essence of the church or authority, uh, who is God, who is Jesus Christ, how are we saved? I mean, these are key issues. And uh, these days, uh, what is a man? What is a woman? Uh, what is marriage? Um, uh, is uh, heaven real? Um, is Satan real? And uh, these are some of the battles that you see today. And unfortunately, we've got a lot of cowards who run away from the battle. Uh, we need to be those who, who are seeking to be loyal to God and where the battle rages, there, the loyalty of the soldier is proved.
0: Must open-air preachers refrain from providing their names and contact details for reasons of security? Should they use a nickname or remain completely anonymous?
1: Well, you, c- you can be harassed in a way it is today in this age of cancel culture. It might be very wise not to be using your full name. Certainly, as a missionary in, to the Persky Church, I was following the general um, trend of we just use our first names. And in our mission, we've generally only used first names because you don't want to. And quite a few people actually use nicknames, too. And so that can uh, be helpful because um, especially now that people can stalk you um, and uh, harass you online, um, unfortunately, those who get well-known become targets of character assassins. And uh, nobody who's been involved in trying to make a stand anything avoids uh, attempts to blacken your name to... um, destroy your character and to harass you and when they find out where you come from to harass the church that you belong to to harass anybody in your life to even harass your family I've, I've found that um, these pathological antagonist character assassins uh, they like to target your wife your children anything that that's close to you and of course that is very distressing which is why you've even seen now in the states that That a Supreme Court justice who's pro-life now has these people giving threats, attacking them when in restaurants, uh, putting demonstrations outside their lawn and their home, um, threatening their family members. So unfortunately, that is a reality in the world today.
0: It seems to me that besides the verbal message delivered by the preacher, open air preaching or street preaching is also an important symbolic act. The preacher is making a stand, claiming the territory for Christ. Like a church building, the mere presence of the preacher signifies that this is Christian territory. With regards the law operates, would you agree with this opinion, Dr. Hammond?
1: Yes, well, I was in the infantry, and you know if you want to um, hold uh, you, you if you don't hold ground, you will lose ground and no war is ever fought and won without boots on the ground. You know the Air Force has a key role and artillery and so on, but at the end of the day you need the infantry to go in boots on the ground, feet on the street. you've got to claim the territory. and so in many ways we are flying the flag just like we did at the life chain. Uh, just over a week ago make a stand carry the christian flag banners posters leaflets and you know pray sing in public it's reclaiming the public spaces and it's it's proclaiming the lordship of Christ submit to God resist the devil and he will flee from you
0: What would you preach if you were standing on the streets of Cape Town today, considering our political situation and the tough economic and social circumstances many people are grappling with?
1: Well, gee, and we have. (laughs) We've been uh, preaching, you know, look at the litter around, look at the pollution, look at the filth and degradation. This is a picture of sin. And just as you can see how litter and pollution is degrading our city and our municipality and stands as an indictment on our city council who are awarding themselves vast, massive benefits financially and all sorts of other benefits that they get for work that they're not doing. Stealing, taking rates and taxes for work that they're not doing. So it is a picture of the filth and degradation and pollution in our own souls and our own mind where we, we're fallen people living in a fallen world. We are not good people. We are not evolving. We're degenerating. We're devolving. And this is what the scripture says. The heart of man is deceitful. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's so vital that we understand uh, sin. And this is a key part of what any preacher of righteousness does. They've got to expose sin. And uh, you expose the problem and then you point to the solution. And so we've got to get people to look around and see, yes, how is our city so degraded? And then you start getting them to look inside their souls and realize, you know, I've been polluted by the media I'm imbibing, by the lies I've believed, uh, by uh, what they call entertainment, which is nothing but degrading filth from Hollywood. And so to get people into self-reflection and looking around, alerting people to think, this isn't right, this isn't normal. God made a beautiful world. He made a world without litter and pollution, without cruelty and death. And, and all these evils have come because of sin, because Adam and Eve rebelling against God and disobeyed him. So uh, yes, I think it's so important to call people to repentance, and I've I've stood up and I've spoken out against the lockdown lunacy, the masquerade madness, the salvation by vaccination COVID cult, and uh, you know, shame on us for believing the lie for being cowards. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. And so, you know, reclaim your municipality, reclaim the city, and uh, let's uh, bring Cape Town back to Christ. And of course, we would like to see Cape Exit. Like to see a free and independent Cape of Good Hope. And these are some of the things I've preached on the streets of Cape Town. I think it's a strong message which is needed because people today need hope, but they also need uh, a clear call to action.
0: What do you think of Francis Schaefer's statement that, to quote, Christianity is not romantic, not soft. It is tough-fibred and realistic, and the Bible gives us the, re- the realistic message that Jeremiah preached into his own day, a message I am convinced the church today must preach if it is to be any help in the post-Christian world, End quote.
1: Francis Schaeffer was quite prophetic, and uh, he really understood. So many of his books were a very great help to me in the early years of my walk, like the great evangelical disaster and uh, he, the God who is there and he is not silent and uh, so many top messes of the church at the end of the tw- 20th century. Uh, he uh, spoke to the situation like in what you just quote from Death in the City. Yes, we need to be like uh, like Jeremiah. We've got to speak straight to our world. Our world is uh, in crisis, in chaos, uh, not just backslidden, but in many cases apostate. And uh, therefore, it's uh, vital that we give a clarion call to action and uh, uh, I'm just thinking, for example, at uh, Razan Vasaki's memorial service, how the shofar was sounded, which was really like a battle cry. They used to sound as like the trumpets calling people to action. And a very strong message came through on that her call uh, to take up her mission and to be involved in evangelism. Um, in fact, I was asked by the family of Razan to, uh, uh, and Razan uh, Vasaki was Razan Bota. She is the daughter of President P.W. Bota, for those who don't know. And she died after a 12-year battle with cancer recently. And her request to us was bring a literature table, Bibles, gospel booklets, tracts, and challenge the people at my church to take the tracts and gospel booklets and Bibles and do evangelism. Apparently, she never went on a date even without walking around the tables in a restaurant handing out tracts to different people sitting there. And everywhere, whether it was... uh, at the petrol station or at the shop she was distributing literature. And I think it's so important to have this call to action, this call to evangelism, to make a stand. And, uh, yes, um, we are called to be Christian warriors in a world at war with God. We've got to make a stand. This is spiritual warfare. We start on our knees. We pray at home first before we go on the streets. I mean, every soul that's won on the streets was first won on our knees and prayer beforehand. Yes, this is spiritual warfare.
0: Dr. Hammond, please remind us what resources Frontline Fellowship offers to equip and empower evangelists.
1: Well, Literature for Africa is one of our busiest parts of our ministry. Uh, people are coming uh, every week uh, to collect Bibles and Gospel booklets and uh, John and Romans and tracts and all kinds of Sunday school materials and other things, Bible study materials. We're just reading over 100 tons of Bibles and books totally free every year. Some years it's been up to 200 uh, tons, (laughs) given the metric tons. So, uh, if, uh, and given totally free, this is a key part of our work. You know, in all of Africa, there are 100 million Christians, churchgoers, who do not yet have their own copy of the Bible or New Testament. And so it's so important to put Bibles into people's hands and put the Word of God in people's hands and gospel booklets and tracts that they can distribute. So if you're interested in uh, public uh, evangelism and getting into public space, or maybe you don't feel comfortable with preaching, but you can hand out literature, it's, it's good. it goes together. I think gospel, literature, distribution, if one man's standing up and preaching and others are standing around distributing literature, which we often do, for example, small Paul, the chalk talk evangelist, he often sets up his easel and he's drawing people to Christ, literally, using artistry, And uh, while he's, he's proclaiming the gospel. And then there's others of us walking around handing out gospel literature, which becomes a point of contact. And sometimes conversations result as you're giving out tracts and people might ask you questions and now you've got a chance to, uh, to uh, engage in, in some serious counseling and seek to lead people to Christ. So if people want gospel literature contact Frontline Fellowship, uh, come to Litra Fafka, you'll get supplies. If you want training in how to be a good evangelist, well, we've got the Evangelism Explosion training materials and the Way of the Master Living Waters materials on how to be involved in evangelism. EE or Evangelism Explosion one of the very best, most comprehensive evangelist training programs and Way of the Master is also superb using the Ten Commands to first go for the conscience um, as pre-evangelism. So the two work very well together. So for training, We have great commission courses, we have evangelism training workshops at different times, and you will find all the gospel booklets and tracts that you can possibly distribute. Um, If you can distribute thousands, we'll give you thousands of gospel booklets and tracts. So if you just want to start with a few dozen, that's fine. I mean, we've all got to start somewhere. But yes, if you contact us, it's uh, 021-689-4480. We're based in Cape Town, Rondebosch, 021-689-4480, or you can email mission at frontline.org.za, mission at frontline.org.za. You can go on our website, www.frontlinemissionsa.org, and you will uh, find more of the details. Also, if you look on social media, Facebook, you'll find Frontline Fellowship and Literature for Africa, and that's the literature with the number four and in Africa. And uh, you'll see we on there, and we will definitely provide you with either the training you need or the gospel literature, spiritual ammunition uh, for this fight.
0: Can you suggest any other resources for aspiring open-air preachers, Dr. Hammond?
1: We certainly can. There's an excellent documentary film. Uh, it's called Go, Stand, Preach. Go, Stand, Preach. And it's, it's uh, all about open-air preaching. It's phenomenal. It's got a lot of great insights. And uh, this is not only available uh, online, but we can lend it to people as well. Yeah, go stand speak actually is the correct term. Go stand speak. Outstanding uh, video production. I, I was part of the crew that put it together, and uh, what a privilege. Also, Spurgeon's lecture titled Open Air Preaching Remarks on which is on the internet, or in Spurgeon's book, Lectures to My Students, which was a set work book that we needed when I was studying at Baptist Theological Seminary. So, Lectures to My Students by Charles Spurgeon. There's a lot of Charles Spurgeon's materials available on the net too. And uh, the film Go Stands Speak, if you want to uh, have this film come and shown at your church, it'll be for several weeks in a row because it's it's something like two and a half hours. And uh, so it's designed to be in sections to be shown and then discussed on at midweek service or Sunday evening service. So those are just some of the great materials. But I think the film Go Stands Speak and lectures for my students by Charles Berger are probably two of the best resources.
0: Thank you for sharing your wisdom and insights, Dr. Hammond. Um, in closing, I'd like to read a verse from Acts chapter 2. It's verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Thank you very much for joining us for From the Front Line. God bless and good night.